Welcome to Christianity Proper, uh, proper doctrine, proper life. I know it's late again, once more. This is the third one in a row now. This might be the new norm, having to hop on here late at night. But I wanted to go ahead and get something out there. Here's the thing. Um, I mentioned on the last installment that I'm working on actually doing a deeper dive into this next topic. Uh, the title is going to stick uh, here, uh, what you see on Facebook Live, The Deception of More. That is going to be the title for this next series. And so, yes, we're going to end up doing a series within a series. We're getting close to the end of the What We Need Most series. And we're going to begin this one, The Deception of More. There's probably going to be at least three installments on this one. But this is something that is just um, seems to be increasing in popularity. Uh, it's always been there, it, it, and it's always been fairly popular, but there's been a few things happening lately and a few conversations that I've had with people personally lately that um, has just made me painfully aware that it's it's even increasing in its popularity, and so we have this deception of, of more, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. I was going to try to just do one big installment, you know, one of the hour and a half, hour and 45 minute uh, installments of Christianity proper, but I want to do my best to break this down into more bite-sized um, segments so that if you uh, if you find them beneficial or edifying, uh, that you could share them. And if you do share them, people won't be like, oh my goodness, this is two hours long. Like I'm not, I'm not listening to this. And for your benefit as well, if you don't have two hours to sit down and listen to one podcast, um, we'll break it up for you. So as this says, this is the preamble. Um, it was actually before we switched the name to Christianity proper when we were still uh, Reformation South. One of the series that we did, we had a preamble ramble. Um, so I'm bringing that back. This is going to be the preamble ramble to the deception of more. Uh, and I will say this, I think up to this point, I can say with confidence, this is going to be the most significant or important thing that we've addressed as far as something that is current and as far as something that is local in our areas that is happening right now. Um, I firmly believe that believers in our area need to be aware of some of the things that are going on uh, and prayerfully uh, that God would, would keep them from getting caught up in the deception of more and in these movements that are going on um, and so what is that? What do I mean by the deception of more? There, as I said, it, it, it's been there. It's been prevalent. It seems like it's gaining even more steam at this point. But what I mean by more is anytime that a pastor or even another believer uh, encourages someone else that there, there's more that God has for them, or maybe they pose it as a question, do you, do you want more from God? Or do you wish that there was more? in your Christian walk. Um, or they may even just say something like, uh, this is this is one that I've heard at least twice uh, just within the past couple of weeks. Um, do you want to know God or do you want to know Jesus more intimately? Uh, because if you if you want to know God more intimately, then there there's more that God has for you. And so they end up connecting the whole, well, you need to know God more intimately, so therefore there's more that God has for you. The reason that this is so dangerous, there's a few reasons, but I'll just name a couple briefly. First and foremost, 
Um, it encourages people, professing believers, it encourages them to look for more than Christ crucified and the perfect word of God that we've already been given. So just, just think about that for a moment. What more could we possibly need as far as our Christian walk goes, as far as our faith goes, than to know Christ and to have the word of God? What more do we need? Uh, and I would pose a question. If there is more that you think you need, or if you're a pastor and you are telling people that there's more, um, <clears throat> does not, doesn't that show that you are not satisfied in Christ and you are not satisfied with his word? And isn't that a problem? To be a believer, to be a Christian who is not satisfied with Christ and his finished work and the canon of scripture, if we are not satisfied with that, doesn't that show an issue within our own heart and within our own mind? So that's, that's really the, the biggest issue here is it encourages people and it points people, ultimately it points them away from Christ and towards experiences and towards something else, something greater, but there's nothing greater than Christ, him crucified, risen again. Uh, and there's nothing greater for the believer to feed on than the word of God. And we're gonna, this is gonna be real scripture heavy. I'm just getting some thoughts out there before we look at the word because I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to back up everything I'm saying with scripture and I want you to test me as well. You say, well, Caleb, how do we know how do we know that you're not one of these false teachers? Or how do we know that you're not somebody who's trying to lead us astray? Test everything I say up against the word of God, which is what we should be doing with every single pastor, every single leader, every single Christian that we talk to. We need to be testing anything that they say up against the word of God. We need to be testing the spirits to see whether or not they are true. I actually mentioned the second thing as I was talking about the first point. This uh, this whole concept of God has more for you. Um, do you want more? It leads people to pursue experiences rather than pursuing knowledge and wisdom of God. And what's interesting with that, that kind of leads to another thing. It seems to be becoming increasingly popular to view knowledge and wisdom as a bad thing. Like, oh, if, if, if you know the word or if you know God, like literally know God as in you can point to scripture references and point to the word of God. And if you have that wisdom, it almost automatic, automatically makes you a Pharisee. That's very, that's extremely troubling. That is very troubling. Um, if you want to know more about where we stand on the whole calling people a Pharisee thing. We actually have an installment on that. Um, Pharisees, a follow-up, and a prophecy is the title um, of that installment. So go check that out. But there's almost an animosity towards people who say, hey, there might be a problem with that. Or, hey, can we look at this scripture? Because God's word does say this, we should probably check that out. Um, there's almost an animosity towards people who would even dare say, let's consider the word of God. So that's an issue. And that animosity kind of gets promoted alongside of this call for more. Because anytime you hear, well, there's more, there's more that God has for you. Don't you want more? Don't you want to know God more intimately? These people are never pointing others to the word for more. 
they're pointing them towards an experience or they're pointing them towards an encounter with God. And you say, well, Caleb, do you think it's dangerous? Do you think it's bad to experience God, to have an, to have an experience with God, to have an encounter with God? And I'll say yes and no. Let's start with no. Obviously, as a believer, when we're born again, as we grow in the faith, um, as we're convicted of sin and we're drawn to repentance, you could say that all of those things are experiences that we have with God and God working in our life. And so, yes, you could loosely use the word experiences. We experience being born again. We experience sanctification. We experience conviction of sin. We experience forgiveness. I'll say, yes, I think it's troubling and I think it's bad when we're pointing people to experiences that we don't have biblical examples for. And we'll unpack, if you say, oh, Caleb, what are you talking about? We will unpack that in the next few installments. Again, tonight, this installment is just a preamble. So I'm kind of just giving bullet points for all of the things that we're going to really dive a little bit deeper into. So yes, when, when people are encouraged and pointed to experiences with God that aren't exemplified for us from the word, yeah, I do think that's bad. I think that's, I think that's very dangerous. I think that's deceptive. That's the deception of more. And then lastly, simply put, because it because it leads people away from scripture and it leads people away from resting in Christ and the word and it leads people towards experiences, it trains people to think that the, the, the only way to really know God is through experiences. And so if you really want to know God, yeah, there's the word, you can study the word, but if you really want to know God, you need the experiences. So not only do you need the experiences, but the experiences lead to you actually knowing God for who he really is. So the reason that that's such a big deal and all of these things work together. So, so here's, the, here's the root problem. If we say there's more that God has for you, so more than the word, more than the knowledge of Christ who has saved you, you need to experience something, you need to experience God or you need to have an encounter with God, then here's what that trains people to do. That trains people to rest their faith and to rest their confidence in these experiences that they've had rather than resting their confidence in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you could have conversations with people where you might say, well, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know God? Uh, how do you know that God knows you? How do you know that you've truly been born again? And they might say something like, well, a few years ago or a few months ago or a few days ago, but a while back I was at this church service and man, I just had this experience with God. I can't even explain it to you. All I can tell you was God was moving. The spirit was on me. And, and oh man, it was, it was, it was just a, it was a radical experience. Now I want you to really think about, and that was that was a loose example that covers a myriad of different conversations you could have with people. But I want you to consider, please consider that when somebody is resting the confidence of their salvation 
in an experience that they once had. And they say things like, the spirit was moving, the spirit was on me, I was broken, it was a radical experience. Man, there's no doubt in my mind I met with God that night. The bottom line is, they're still not really saying anything. Yes, they had an experience, but the question was, how do you know that you're a child of God? How do you know that you know God? How do you know, or how do you have any confidence that you're truly saved? Now, I want you to think about what scripture says about these things. We know that we must be born again. We know that the true believer will, um, will grow in their hatred of sin, in their turning away from sin. We know that a true believer will grow in their knowledge of the word and their desire and their hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know that the true believer will grow in their sanctification and they will look more and more like Christ. But nowhere in scripture are we told that, oh, you, sh you can know that you're saved once you've experienced something. Or you can know that you're saved because you were really broken one night. Or you can know that you're saved. No. And so, yes, I do think it's very dangerous to point to experiences, to point to um, these things that are labeled as something more. And it's not always one thing. Sometimes the something more um, could be, oh, well, you, you need to be baptized with fire or baptized with the Spirit. So I, you hear it both ways, but you need to speak in tongues. Sometimes the something more is... Um, you just need to step into what God has for you. And, that, and, in, that, and in that case, it, it, gets really, it gets really vague. It gets super vague. If you hear somebody say, you need to step into what God has for you, well, that could, that could mean anything. You need to step into what God has for you. Well, what exactly are we talking about? How do you know what God has for me? Um, so, so that's why I think that it's very, very um important to consider all of these things. And that's why there is a deception of more. How do we know that we know God? There will be a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. There will be a hunger and a thirst for the word of God to grow in sanctification. And there will be evidences of that new birth, of that knowledge of the Lord um, in their life. There will be fruits of the spirit. There will be things where they, they are growing in their sanctification, being molded and shaped more and more into that, um, into that image of Christ, which we are called to be. And so uh, Josh Griffiths asked, we're doing Facebook Live and podcast right now. So Josh Griffiths asked, how did I meet God? Anyone, myself included, anyone meets God through the preaching and the teaching of the gospel. We know that scripture says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Second uh, Timothy, which we're going to read in just a moment. I think I've read that in just about every podcast that I've recorded so far. But Second Timothy says that scripture, scripture is able to make us wise unto salvation. And then after that, not only does scripture make us wise unto salvation, but scripture uh, fully equips us and makes us complete, lacking nothing. Um, and so first Peter one says that we're born of imperishable, the imperishable seed of the word. And so how does anybody come to know God? We come to know God through the preaching and teaching of the gospel. We come to know God through being born again, through the regeneration of the spirit, as, uh, Paul says in Titus chapter three, 
And so you can have this experience. You can have these different things that happen in your life. Uh, but if the true gospel was not presented and if there wasn't that true conversion, then it was just an experience and we don't know all the details. But if the true gospel wasn't presented and people were not pointed to Christ, they were pointed towards an experience, then yes, that's very dangerous. Um, so let's get to some scripture. Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, which I just referenced. Um, all scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. It's profitable for correction, for reproof, for teaching, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete fully equipped for every good work. Now that's very important because this is this is one of the main points that we're going to make tonight and this is one of the main points that we're going to make as we go through the, these next few installments. If scripture itself is able to make us wise unto salvation and then ultimately it fully equips us for every good work as a believer, then we don't need more. We don't need more, okay? So that's that's first and foremost. I also want to read from Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We'll just stop right there, just that one verse. Paul says to believers here, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here's where all of our blessings, all of our spiritual blessings, and here's where they all are. Here's where they all are in Christ. God the Father has blessed us believers. He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And guess where they're found? In Christ. Where do we, where do we find more about Christ? Where do we know more about Christ? from the word. Okay, so 2 Timothy, if scripture is able to make us wise unto salvation and fully equip us for every good work, then why do we need more? Secondly, Ephesians 1, if we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, why do we need more? Why do we need a greater experience? Why do we need a further experience? We don't. We don't. Um, Next, I want to look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 says, Children, it is the last hour. Sorry, verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. Or sorry, you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. So 2 Timothy, scripture is able to make us wise unto salvation and it's able to fully equip us for every good work. So we don't need more than truth, more than scripture. Ephesians 1, we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places um, in Christ Jesus. So that's where every spiritual blessing in heavenly place is. It's in Christ Jesus. 
So we don't need more. Thirdly, every Christian already has this anointing. We, this anointing to know truth. I'll read the verse again. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. So a lot of times you'll, you might hear people talk about there's this special anointing or you need to be anointed or whatever. Every believer has this anointing. We know the truth. We've been given the truth. We either study the truth. We're to test the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. Um, and these are the, these are the things that we are called to do, but we already have this anointing. There's not a second or a third or a fourth anointing. You go back to Ephesians and look at Ephesians chapter four, where it says there's one faith, one baptism, one Lord. Uh, there's this whole list of one, um, one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So, one. But there's one spirit, one baptism, one faith. First John chapter 2 says we all have this anointing. Uh, so that's, that's very important. Let's put all these together. Second Timothy. Scripture is able to make us wise unto salvation and fully equip us for every good work. So we don't need more. Um, where did I go next? Ephesians 1, we've already been given uh, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where all spiritual blessings in heavenly places are. They are in Christ Jesus. We have this anointing. Every, every believer has um, this anointing. Uh, John, John goes on to say, I'm not writing to you because you don't know. I'm writing to you because you do know. You, you have this knowledge and we are to, to test the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. And now from Ephesians, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then lastly, I'll, I'll just mention Hebrews chapter one, where it says this, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. How do we know God? How do we come to know God? Um, how does God speak to us? Now, we would say that God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if anybody has seen me, he's seen the Father. Jesus said that he came to bear witness to the truth. Jesus said, he, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and I bring that up because of the whole, if you want to know, do you want to know God more intimately or do you want to know Jesus more intimately? Well, then the question needs to be asked, well, how do we get to know God? How do we know Jesus? How do we get that knowledge? How do we come to know him? And sometimes people will say, oh, well, well you get to know God through experiences, through experiencing him, through having these special moments with him. But the biblical answer is we come to know God as we grow in the knowledge and wisdom of Christ our Lord and our knowledge and wisdom of the true faith once delivered to all saints. Well, where do we find that knowledge? Well, we know 
that Jesus said in John 16, that once the spirit comes, he will lead us into all truth. In John 17, Jesus prayed that the father would sanctify us in the truth. And then he says, your word is truth. Well, that's interesting. If the spirit leads us into all truth and the word is truth, the spirit is going to lead us to the word which testifies of Christ. It is the testimony and the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ, our Lord and Savior, who he is, what he has accomplished, how we can rest in his finished work. You have the New Testament, which is everything that, that happened after the ascension. We have the Gospels, but then starting with Acts and on through Revelation, it, it, it's the things that came after the ascension. But what about the Old Testament? Oh, that's right. Jesus said that all of the Old Testament scriptures are pertaining to him. Everything is pertaining to him. Everything in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of things to come. And ultimately, they all point to Christ as well. Joss, I just noticed your follow-up question. So someone not raised in church or never seen an experience can't be saved. I'm not, I might be misunderstanding. I don't really understand where that question's coming from, but just to clarify, um, salvation comes, knowing God comes through the word of God being proclaimed or being shared uh, in, in some way, shape or form. Now, you could also say, obviously, that the heavens declare the glory of God, Um and so there is this general revelation that all of creation gives that points to God, but salvation, being born again, truly knowing God, uh, comes through the preaching or the teaching of the gospel um, in some way, shape, or form, because we know faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Uh, and we know that scripture is able to make us wise unto salvation. And so this, this testimony, this proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ must be proclaimed or shared in some way, shape, or form for for salvation. Um, so I hope that helps. I could be totally like misunderstanding that question, um, but I just noticed it. So I wanted to try um, to go ahead and offer an answer there. Um, so this is how we know God. First Peter, uh, first Peter chapter two actually says this again, I'm, I'm trying to put the bulk of this being scripture references and trying to undergird this and, and lay a foundation of just scripture on top of scripture on top of scripture because I really, I don't want this to come across as, oh, well, well Caleb doesn't like something or Caleb disagrees with something. Um, this is whoever watches, whoever listens, if you are professing to be a Christian, then, then I would ask of you to view this as your brother in Christ asking you to search the scriptures, asking you to test the spirits to see whether or not they are of God, um, asking you to practice, try to practice some discernment. Uh, and as always, I'll go ahead and insert this here since we've had a couple of live questions. Um, and, and I mean this sincerely. If anybody wants to talk, if you want to call me, text me, or if you, I really love coffee. In fact, with that being said, I actually fixed a cup of coffee before I sat down because it is getting late. Um, if you want to sit down and get a cup of coffee one day or grab breakfast or lunch or dinner, um, I am Baptist, so we love to eat and I definitely love my coffee. Um, I, I view all of this as me, your brother, um, reaching out, trying to give some encouragement and some exhortation and yes, some pointers and there's some things where I'm saying, Hey, I think this is unbiblical. I think this is wrong. Um, 
but I would love to get to know you guys personally. Um, if you guys are local or not far away, which judging by most of the people that I'm seeing that are actually watching live right now or have logged in, you are local. And so if you ever have questions for me, please reach out in any way, shape or form. I will do my best to answer any questions um, that you have. But first, first Peter chapter two, verse one says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Then it says this, like newborn ba babes, um, long for the pure spiritual milk or the sincere milk of the word that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, and so, so that's an interesting point to make here. What about believers who are spiritual babes, who are new to the faith? Or what about Christians that they've been saved for years and years and years, but they've never actually like matured. They've never grown. What do they need to do? Do they need to pursue experiences? Do they need to pursue these radical moments with God? No, they need to long for the sincere milk of the word. They need to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of the true faith once delivered to all saints, as Jude puts it. Jude is talking about contending for the faith once delivered to all saints. But I would say that we need to pursue the knowledge and the wisdom of the true faith uh, once delivered to all saints saints. And if God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, uh, as second Peter says, then again, we find ourselves at this point where we say, well, what more could there possibly be? If God has already given us all things in Christ Jesus, and he has given us his word, what more could there possibly be? And that is why I've titled this the deception of more, because it is a deception. There is no more that the believer needs and that the believer should pursue than the knowledge and the wisdom of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and of the faith once delivered to all the saints. You say, oh, but knowledge puffs up and we don't want to become Pharisees. No, we don't want to become Pharisees. We don't want, we don't want a knowledge that puffs up. But wisdom that's from above leads to humility leads to grace and compassion. Read the book of James. It's mentioned there. Wisdom that's from above doesn't lead to pridefulness, arrogance, contention, selfish desires. Wisdom that's from above leads to humility and Christ-likeness. Where do we get that wisdom that's from above? Well, the Spirit leads us into all truth and His Word is truth. And so we do need to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of the faith. We do need to know sound doctrine and that's another point that Christianity proper, proper doctrine, proper life. You, we cannot, we cannot, it's not even a possibility. We cannot grow in our understanding of doctrine, which is simply teaching. We cannot grow in our understanding of teaching if we're not studying the teachings of Christ. You don't grow in your knowledge and understanding of doctrine through experiences. Can't happen. And again, I, I will say this once more. Are there, loosely saying this, are there experiences that we can have with God? Of course there is. Of course there is. Because we know that all of creation does declare the glory of God and that, that all of the earth shows his handiwork. We know that even we as believers, we are his handiwork and he has prepared us for good works. And so, yeah, you can look around. If, if you have children, like you can experience the goodness of God 
with your children. You also experience, you also experience the sanctification of God with your children as your patience is tested and uh, as you have to grow in your parenting skills. Uh, and that will lead to a stronger prayer life, I think, uh, or at least it ought to. I know for a lot of parents that has definitely led to a stronger prayer life. Um, but Yes, there are experiences we have with God, obviously. We have, we, there is something to be said for the fact that as a believer, we do have a relationship with God. Uh, but even with that, I, I can't say that without just making this disclaimer. Everybody has a relationship with God. You're either God's enemy or you are his friend, you are his child. So everybody has a relationship with God. Uh, but we as believers, we know that we experience God throughout our relationship with him. So so please don't under, please don't misunderstand this to be like, Oh, well, Caleb's just like, you got to be a Christian stoic where it's all knowledge and it's all wisdom and you can't ever have emotion and you don't need to have experiences. No, we're human. Humans have experiences. Um, But I'll share something with you um, that I would say for me, I think this this was an experience of God working in a church body right before my very face as a pastor. A few weeks back on Wednesday night, we actually, we didn't get out of church until 9 p.m. And it wasn't entirely my fault. I am a long-winded preacher, but us getting out at 9 p.m. was not entirely my fault because here's what happened. There was a couple of people in the church that just started willingly opening up and sharing like, here's some things I've been struggling with. And there was actually a, a couple of people that ended up saying, you know, I've actually been concern and I've been studying the word and I've been reminding myself of the gospel because um, there was times where I wasn't really sure if I was a Christian. There was things that I was reading from scripture that was really making me think. And they were like being open. They were being transparent about this. Um, And then that led to some, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And we just talked as as a church family on a Wednesday night until about 9 p.m., I would honestly call that like that was that was an experience. It was simple. It was, it was straightforward. Um, but it, here's why I say that was an experience of like God moving. It's not all too common in church congregations, big or little, where people feel completely comfortable with one another to the extent that they'll say, hey, I'm, I really fall short in this area. I really fall short in this area and I need, I can use some prayer and I'm guilty in this area. It's also not very common for people who have been in church for extended periods of time to be open and transparent enough to say, you know what, over the past few weeks, I've kind of, like I've had these moments where it's like, am I really saved? Because I'm studying the scripture and I'm listening to these sermons and I think God's challenging me to like test myself to see whether or not I am of the faith, which is a biblical thing, by the way. Paul says that in Corinthians, we are to, we should test ourselves, see if we're really of the faith. Um, and I would say wholeheartedly, that was that was an that was a God experience in that moment. Because here's the other thing: not one person complained to me, or at least out loud, but not one person complained. It is nine o'clock. Can we just go home? In fact, there was a couple of people that are like, oh my goodness, it's nine, it's nine o'clock. I didn't even realize it. This has been a really great church service and it's nine o'clock. So please don't misunderstand to where like, oh, Caleb supports this style of Christianity or something. Or so like every experience is bad. No, of course we have experiences with God. 
But when we're talking about growing in the faith, when we're talking about knowing God, when we're talking about growing in sanctification, um, how to be a mature Christian, it's not in the experiences. God in his mercy and his grace will, will give us those moments and, and we'll be able to rejoice in those moments. But what does the Christian need in order to know God? What do we have to have in order to know God? The word. The word. How do we know God? Through Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. How do we get to know Jesus? Scripture. Jesus himself is the very word of God. In the beginning was the word, in the beginning, or in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. How do we how do we even know about all of the experiences and all of the all of the miracles that God's people had in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, we have to go to the Word to see and read about those miracles and those experiences, to see the powerful, mighty hand of God. We've got to go to the scriptures just to expose ourselves to those things and to see that God works uh, on behalf of his people and he's faithful to his people. And that, yes, just to throw this in there, that he does chastise his people as well. But what we also read in scripture a lot, Old and New Testament, there's false prophets. There's false teachers. There's teachers who say that they're speaking for God and say that they're teaching godly things, but what they're doing is actually leading people astray and they're deceiving people and they're teaching things that are unbiblical and, and ungodly. And we should not follow them. We should avoid them. So now to close out, I will share as I mentioned earlier, there's a couple of things that has just really been personal to me, different conversations and stuff that has just brought it to the forefront of my mind that, hey, this is actually gaining steam and this is actually happening more in our areas. Again, this is not, this isn't, oh, I saw a YouTube video about something that happened in Kentucky or something. This is like, this is happening in Baxley, Glenville, surrounding areas. Teachers, preachers, other believers, encouraging people that there's more. There's more. There's more. Um, and there's a great danger in that. I don't know how else to say it, and I want to I keep it simple with how I say it, and so I'll leave it at that. There is a great danger in that when God has spoken... And what he has spoken in his word tells us plainly, we've already been given every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we're told that it is scripture that is able to make us wise unto salvation and fully equip us for every good work. When we're told that we should desire the sincere milk of the word. When we're told that the spirit leads us into all truth and his word is truth. And that's not, I'm not trying to bend those verses. Again, John 16, when the spirit comes, the spirit will lead us into all truth. John 17, Jesus prays, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, when we're told in 1 John chapter two that uh, every believer has this anointing, 
We don't need to pursue another one, a second or a third or a fourth anointing. Every believer has this anointing. Um, when we're told these things plainly in scripture, then what more are we looking for? And I would argue as well that the only place to find more when God has already told us he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness and that God has spoken through his son, as Hebrew says, as the author of Hebrew says, I think it's Paul, but that's another podcast from another time. Long ago, in various and sundry ways, he spoke to our fathers, to the prophets. But now he has spoken through Christ. Okay, when we're told that in scripture, then I would argue that the only place that we could go to find more is outside of scripture, outside of the word. And we're told in scripture not to go beyond what is written. Paul says that in Corinthians. And then in 2 John, which is not all too popular of a letter, but in 2 John, John says this, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works." Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. That's weighty. That's significant. That should at least cause us to pause and think and meditate upon the word and think about what the word actually teaches us. Again, Paul says in Corinthians that, that we are not to go beyond what is written. And these people who are saying there's more, there's more, there's more. There's only one place that we can go to if we buy into that lie. If we buy into that deception, there's only one place that we can go and it's beyond what is written. It's beyond the teaching of Jesus Christ, which automatically makes it wrong. And so that is why I firmly believe that this more that many people are pursuing and teaching and encouraging others to pursue is deception. It is the deception of more. So to close out, let me just say this plainly. If you're listening to this, uh, if you have been gracious enough to watch this online or listen to this podcast, if you're, if you're already a believer, God has given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Read Ephesians chapter one, read Ephesians chapter two, read Ephesians chapter four, where it says that he's given the, 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 the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, the, all of those offices for the church so that we may grow up and be mature men, not tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine, but that we can be mature, that we can stand. So he's given all these things so that we can know sound doctrine, so that we can stand and be mature and not go back and forth, so that we can be grounded and rooted in the faith. So if you're a believer, you have, you have this anointing. You've already been given every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
You do not need more. Remember the gospel. The gospel is Christ has redeemed us. Christ has died for our sin. All who look upon the Son and believe will be saved. And then Jesus himself promises the Comforter, and when the Comforter comes, he'll lead us into all truth. That we'll be sanctified in truth, and God's word is truth. If you're not a believer and you're listening to this, there is a call, there's a command from Scripture repent and believe. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is Lord. And he is the only mediator between God and man. He has come. He has laid down his perfect, sinless, spotless life. He has risen again. And all who look upon him and believe will be saved. But all those who do not believe are condemned already. You must repent and believe. And everything that you need for salvation, for sanctification, for glorification is found in Christ alone. Repent and be saved. It is God's grace upon you that you have heard this brief gospel presentation and we are saved by grace through faith. So it is God's grace exposing you to the truthfulness of the gospel. Repent, believe, place your faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. But all that you need all that you must have is in Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the all in all, and he will have preeminence in all things. There is nothing more that any of us needs than Christ alone and to grow in our knowledge and wisdom and understanding of Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this preamble ramble for the danger of, of, or the deception of more. Um, we will start unpacking a little bit more <laughs> uh, in this next installment. Uh, and we'll start kind of where we ended there, that uh, we are to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of Christ, our Lord and Savior. We're going to look at how almost every single New Testament book, uh, the writers encourage the people to grow in their knowledge and wisdom of the faith. Uh, and we're going to start there. Uh, so there's going to be at least three more installments on this. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you've got questions, comments, if you disagree with this and you just and you want to have a very stern conversation with me, I'd still love to hear from you. 912-339-4211. Uh, thank you, Josh, for the couple of questions that you asked live. I hope that the answers were helpful to you. Um, again, this is your brother in Christ. Uh, for those of you, who are professing believers. We're in this fight together. I pray that we are unified, sanctified, um, and that God continues to grow us and shape us into the image of Christ together. Uh, and I pray that he will be glorified in all things. So this has been Christianity Proper, Proper Doctrine, Proper Life. We'll catch you on the next installment. May God be glorified in all things.